We'll do it live! Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is our third episode. Three episodes! It only took three months, or four months, or <laughs> Something how, like that. Of all good things. All good things. Woo! In the words of Ric Flair. <laughs> and uh, even though this is under the All Good Things banner, you can still find us at All Bad Things mm-hmm. Pod on Insta, Facebook, and the other thing, Twitter. Twitter. The yeah. other thing. Yeah, I don't go there that much and anymore. The, and the other things. And the other We will go to the moon and do the other things. <laughs> Um, and you can email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Um, pretty sure. So we're we're going to be releasing this um, Saturday night, I guess, mm-hmm. if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Edit <laughs> it together the in the next sev- hour. Seventh? Uh, no, today is the 6th, okay. June 6th. Um, but we say on Monday's show that we were going to release it on like the 2nd or something. <laughs> we just didn't feel like <laughs> doing it do after. Because we were going to do both episodes that one night yes and we did after not. the first one we were like yeah so either way this will be coming out before monday anyway yes yeah so so it'll work um we, just four days after we originally said so we, but, you, but you don't know that yet right we talk about it slightly in our monday's episode but long and short regarding the events of the past week or so um we decided that we just kind of have nothing constructive to add to the conversation more or less Pretty much, which is why we're doing an all good thing. There we go. So we can just talk about something else. There we go. What are you drinking? I am you drinking. You couldn't find your prickly pear. I could not. <laughs> I can't even remember. Uh, I think that was Michelob. I think it was. I think, I think it, it was. was uh, lime and prickly pear Michelob yes, Ultra. It was good. So I had to settle for a Bud Light Lime. Oh, okay. The classy stuff. Yes, absolutely. I stopped by Raleigh Brewing on the way home today. <laughs> as you can tell by the crinkling in the can. And I am drinking the first squeeze American wheat ale. Can I try that again? Yeah, it's had that in a while. good. It gets a little bitter, not going to lie, by the end. Yes, it does. But it is good. It is good. Yeah. It's nice and refreshing. I also got the Bell Tower, which I'm going to have next. Because this is a 6%er and the Bell Tower is uh, a little lighter. Yes. I don't know what mine is. Probably like three and a half. <laughs> it's Bud some, Light. Yeah. It's Bud Light Lime. It's mostly limeade. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of that bad beer in it. <laughs> so I figured while everything is going to hell all over the world, mm-hmm. let's talk about a time where it actually did and something good happened. Oh, the positive side of the world going yes, to hell. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So this huh? is the story of mm-hmm. the Christmas truce. Oh. Do you know about this? It's ringing a bell. It was during a war? It was during a war. I am going to guess either World War One, World War Two, or Vietnam. <laughs> well, one of those is okay. correct. Is it two? One of those is correct. Is it one? One of those is, is correct. Is it Vietnam? No, 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 I'm kidding. Oh. It, is, it is World War One. Okay. <laughs> what made you uh, come up with this topic? Uh, it just popped into my head. Okay. Because um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, ever since 1917 came out, I've been doing Wait. like a lot of the, the oh, movie. Oh, I thought it was 1919. No. The war was over by then. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you've been watching a lot of like uh, review. Well, YouTube that and, and like uh, just World War One documentaries and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, it was this... 100 years ago. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, the war over. to end all wars. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the war that How did that work out? The war that literally set up the next world war. <laughs> so the Christmas Truce was a series of unofficial ceasefires beginning around Christmas 1914 along the Western Front, which was the main theater of World War I. Okay. The truce occurred during the relatively early period of the war, which had begun on July 28th earlier that year. Hostilities had lulled as leadership on both sides reconsidered their strategies. In the, week leading up to the, uh, in the week leading up to Christmas, French, German, and British soldiers crossed trenches to exchange seasonal greetings and talk. Wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to get into this more later? But, like, people on opposite sides, just like, hey, pal, how you doing? Pretty much. And then went back to fighting afterwards. We'll get into that. Uh, wow. So, in some areas... Men from both sides ventured into no man's land, mm-hmm. which is prominently uh, featured. featured for about two minutes mm-hmm. in uh, 1917. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty gruesome two minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's called no man's land for a mm-hmm. reason. Is that when they, like, step accidentally, like... Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, it's a bit gory. <laughs> yes. So both sides ventured into no man's land on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to mingle and exchange food and souvenirs. There were joint burial ceremonies and prisoner oh. swaps, while several meetings ended in carol singing. <laughs> this is this is very bizarre. This is a little bizarre. It kind of, it, it kind of isn't. I'll, I'll get into okay, why. Okay. Men played games of football with one another. That would be American football. No. No soccer. Yes. Okay. Football. Football. <laughs> football. Football. Uh, with one another, creating one of the most memorable images of the truce. Hmm. Fighting continued in some sectors, while in others, the side settled on little more than arrangements to recover bodies. So it wasn't everywhere. Okay, I gotcha. So not everybody was all pally-pally. No. But nobody was fighting actively. Uh, still here and there. But but in certain spots. Because you said it was not an official ceasefire. It was like a... It was not. It was an uh, informal, you said, right? Mm -hmm. Informal truce. And it's just... Well, we'll get into okay. kind of why this makes sense in okay. a little bit. Um, so the following year, a few units arranged ceasefires, but the truces were not nearly as widespread in 1914. This was in part due to strongly worded orders from the high commands of both sides prohibiting truces. Ah. Can't fraternize with the enemy because you'll realize... They're human too. Well, you'll realize how much you have in common. Yeah. All of the majority of the soldiers in World War One. uh... Even Americans, too, were farmers, you know, agricultural people, factory workers. Working class people. Absolutely. And you cannot get the working class talking. You know what happens when that happens? Unions and ceasefires and all sorts of terrible things. Yes. Slash sarcasm. So that's why these unofficial ceasefires just started to happen because they kind of realized they're like, can we take a day off for Christmas? Well, they're just like, why yeah. are we doing this? Mm-hmm. So the truces were not unique to the Christmas period and reflected a move of live and let live, where mm. infantry close together would often engage in small-scale fraternization, engaging mm. in conversation or bartering for cigarettes. Mm. In some sectors, there were occasional ceasefires to allow soldiers to go between the lines and recover wounded or dead comrades. And in others, there was a tacit agreement not to engage while men rested, exercised, or worked in view of the enemy, so it was That's basically like. So... so it was basically like if you're not engaged, uh-huh. we'll leave you alone. 
you know, it, that is something that I find very fascinating that there are, you know, so-called so-called rules of war or rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, the, kind of the idea is, well, if you're going to war, isn't it just, like, fucking whatever goes? But I guess because of Honestly, the... that's kind of how World War One was. That's why it was mm-hmm. such a brutal war, because there were all sorts of new technologies, like poison gas, mm-hmm. tanks... Uh, and that was just at the protest. Rapid wait, fire. Wait, yeah. I'm getting mixed up. But like rapid fire machine guns, flamethrowers, these were all things that were yeah, brand new. New and technology. People just used them because there was nothing saying that you couldn't. Well, that's the thing. Like the stakes got raised massively once the atomic bomb was a thing because there had to be some sort of agreement to not just nuke to, the just entire to Earth. not do that. Yeah. Again. Because because we realized that we could just kill everybody and then humans would be done for. So. This is all good. This is been, <laughs> I know, this, this is, this so, is been, such a And this has been time. another episode of All Good Things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing. Um, it's very appropriate for our time, frankly, but go ahead. So, all right, pardon. Proceed. Well, what kind, of, what kind of made me think of this a little bit was... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know the truces between the police and the civilians during this whole thing has not exactly turned out that way. Like maybe a the very bit next performative. Day. But I think the guy in Flint, Mich- Michigan, the sheriff, the sheriff I th- that walked. With I think the he was. Protesters. I think he was genuine. I, I really I think he not, was. I do not disagree that. You know what? There's a few good apples out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> Is it's not a few bad apples, it's the other way around. And so if the few good ones can affect some change, then... Then it'll be another all good thing that we can do in, Here we the, go. in the future. <laughs> like 10 years when we finally have enough space from it. And that won't even work. <laughs> so the Christmas truces were particu- particularly... Yeah. Particularly. Significant due to the number of men involved and the number and the level of their participation. Even in very peaceful sectors, dozens of men openly congregating in daylight was remarkable Mm. and is often seen as a symbolic moment of peace and humanity amidst one of the most violent events in human history. Yeah. So so we're going to get into kind of how this came about a little bit. Obviously, this is an all good thing. (laughs) We are not going to do a deep dive on World War One because that would literally good. We could have done like every episode on World War One and we're on our like hundred and fifty. Third, third? Four, third. Yeah, they could have all been about World War yeah. One. <laughs> so, Except it's criminal. Yes. <laughs> During the first eight months of World War One, the German attack through Belgium into France had been repelled outside Paris by French and British troops at the First Battle of the Marne in early September 1914. The Germans uh, fell back to the Ayen Valley, where they dug in. And this the, is France, you said. Yes. Okay. In the First Battle of the Ayen... Both sides began digging trenches to uh, economize on manpower, but by November 1914, both sides had built a continuous line of trenches running from the North Sea to the Swiss frontier. May I ask how how digging trenches was supposed to help with manpower? It gave everybody, like, a place to... Obviously, the digging of the trenches was an undertaking, Mm -hmm. but it gave everybody a place to dig in, hang out, rest... Things like that. Okay, it was safer than just being out in the open. And it's just old school, exactly. And it's just old school battle tactics. Did they even dig trenches like in World War II? Not after. So like this was the last. This is the last time you'll. Like modern. You'll see trench warfare because of Air Force. 
you could oh yeah you can just bomb from there <laughs> exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah as they and then later drones yes. and such yeah okay. i mean they each side was uh shooting off uh, high-powered guns at each other mm-hmm. but nobody knew exactly where they were hitting right it just kind of uh, hoping for, yeah. yeah whereas by the time world war ii came along like bombs were pretty precise coming yeah. from planes so okay go ahead dig a trench gotcha <laughs> we'll just bomb <laughs> we'll, you in we'll it just yeah. fly over it yeah so yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's, this is just a crazy time. Ed, you can have a sip. I can. Oh, I okay, can... sure. Da, can... da, 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 da. We usually have a, I was a tacit thirsty. agreement that uh, when one of us is is taking a sip, the other has to fill in the. Has silence. to stop. Yeah. Mm-mm. Has to stop. Has to stop. <laughs> that's, that's what I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> so before Christmas 1914, there was there were several peace initiatives. The open Christmas letter was a public mes- message for peace addressed to. Uh, the, quote, women uh, of Germany and Austria, unquote, signed by a group of 101 British women suffragettes at the end of 1914. That's a very, okay, so so it's kind of like, oh, the ladies are trying to, it's just like, do can we, we all just get it's, along? It's just like, do we really yeah. want to do this? Well, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a serious question to be asked in the case of any war. You know, when they say you have to pick your battles, well, you have to pick your wars even better. Yeah. So truces between British and German units can be dated back to early November 1914. Mm. Rations were brought up to the front line after dusk, and soldiers on both sides noted a period of peace while they collected their food. Okay, so it's kind of like, hey, we all agree we need to eat. Let's not kill each other while trying to eat. It's like in hockey, shaking hands at the end of a game. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we were all trying to beat the fuck out of each other for 60 minutes. But but, we're saying... But we understand that we were both trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, to be fair, like... Shake hands and... Yeah, like, I mean, not necessarily speaking for future wars, but for this war, um, like, it was kind of like hey, we're all just doing our job. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we're... What, in many cases, we're conscripted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's all just recognize that <laughs> we need to eat. Yep. <laughs> let's just eat. So we can fight against each other better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, so yeah. we're not malnourished. Yeah, there's that. Relations between French and German units were generally more tense, but the same phenomenon began to emerge. Well, they're a little closer in yes. terms of geography. In early, in the, uh, talking about tense relations between mm. France and Germany, that would only continue. Uh, in, yeah. early, in early December, a German surgeon recorded a regular half-hourly truce each evening to recover dead soldiers for burial, oh. during which French and German soldiers exchanged newspapers. Huh. This behavior was often challenged by officers. Well, of see, course. now there's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And there's the problem that has always been the problem throughout history is... Don't let the people start talking to each other. We need to keep them fighting. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All good things. All good things. <laughs> <laughs> the commander of the French 10th Army, Victor Durbal, wrote of the quote-unquote unfortunate consequences when men, quote, became familiar with their neighbors opposite, unquote. <laughs> when you made friends, it's a bad thing? Pretty much, okay. yes. The proximity of trench lines made it easy for soldiers to shout greetings to each other. Uh-huh. And this bay may have been the most... Uh, and this was most likely the, the most common method of arranging informal truces in 1914. Oh, so they kind of just call over to... Hey, right. h- half hour, right? Or At, at, at 7 o'clock, h- half hour. Or probably two, and I'm sure that was probably accompanied with some sort of flag. Yeah, like I'm sure uh-huh. there was a flag that... 
uh, like, meant can we recover right. our... You know. Like, hey, don't shoot us while we're going out yeah. to get the bodies. Ugh. So uh, men would frequently exchange uh, news or greetings, helped by a common language, as many German soldiers had either traveled to or lived in England, particularly in London, and were familiar with the language and the society. Sever- Just, from what I understand, still relatively common in Europe is that English is widely spoken. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. not necessarily in every region, but... I, it seems to me like several languages are widely yeah. spoken. Uh-huh. It seems yeah. like everybody over there at least knows two. You know. I will say that I do believe that the Europe, the European school in general is better at uh, language and even like oh you well you learn Latin or something <laughs> in the U.S. or maybe not as good as that. Although it tends to be more high school and college sometimes. But well, you we've talked about that. You took you took French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for you know, four years, and I just uh, je m'appelle David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keller <Aid> deal. <laughs> Quebec, Montreal, <laughs> Montreal Canadien, <laughs> les habitants, <laughs> les habitants. So several British soldiers recorded instances of Germans asking about news from the football leagues, mm. while other conversations would be about the weather and talking about their families back home. So leather, literally weather, sports, and family. Just shooting the shit yeah, that in the is middle just... of a war, like, you know, with your rifles in hand Ugh. and, you know. And, I mean, and the trenches were just oh, nasty, awful. filthy. I mean, more, more people died of disease than yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the backdrop to a large portion of the 1918 flu. I was, also, I was also thinking, let's throw this out there for a possible tease. I'm Ooh. doing a follow-up to that. Really? Because there is a huge incident that happened in America that reignited the pandemic. Oh, is it what I think it is? Well, you wouldn't know because you're not a mind reader. I think it they has it. it has something to do with a major sporting event. Oh, okay. They covered something on Sawbones very similar oh, okay. to that, but I don't believe it was surround. I think it was a parade. Well, this might have had something to do with that. Oh, because okay. parades often follow major major sporting events. They do. depending on the winning city. They do. However, Dr. Sidney McElroy came to the conclusion that it was a little simplistic to call that the resurgence of the pandemic. Okay. This has been another episode of All Good Things. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it was not uncommon for units to sing in the evenings, sometimes deliberately with an eye towards entertaining or gently taunting their opposite numbers. Um, you want to hear the World War One song I know? Sure. Mademoiselle, parlez-vous. Mademoiselle, for a moment, is she hadn't been kissed in 40 years. Hinky dinky, parlez vous. Boom, boom. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what hinky dinky, parlez vous means? No. Do you speak hinky dinky? <laughs> oh, well, yes, it would mean that, wouldn't it? I guess. <laughs> I think it's a very coy little song about sexy times, but I could be yeah. wrong. Oh, by the way, this is the uh, 76th anniversary of uh, D-Day. Today. Yeah, I was seeing a bunch of references to D-Day. Mm-hmm. Wait, 76? Mm-hmm. 1944. Holy shit, I think um, my bandmate, Walt, his today's his birthday, and I think he might be 76. Oh my god, wow. <laughs> was he, he was born, born on, on D-Day? D-Day? Well, some some people were. I need to ask him about that. I called him <laughs> to wish him a happy birthday. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday, Walt. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of the war to end all wars, 
Yeah, right. We had another one. Yeah, another one. <laughs> just to make just to make sure. <laughs> Let's have ten more. <laughs> so roughly a hundred thousand British and German troops were involved in the unofficial cessations of hostility along the Western Front. One hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. The Germans placed candles on their trenches and on Christmas trees, then continued the celebration by singing Christmas carols. Oh, Tannenbaum! I'll bet you it was Oh, Tannenbaum. I'll bet the same thing. Oh, Tannenbaum! Oh, Tannenbaum! <laughs> Thy leaves are so unchanging. I don't know the German version of that. It's a Christmas that's, tree. That's disappointing. I was I was hoping to hear the German version. Oh, I don't know somebody any German out there, songs. Somebody out there send, a, send us the German I bet version. Lee knows. Lee he seems to know anything foreign from World War... Well, any foreign thing foreign to the U.S. regarding World War One. Yes. And I, that general vicinity. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I feel like he also speaks like six languages. He might. I think he speaks some Russian. That's possible. I believe so. Okay. We're just building... I'm just building Lee up to like epic proportions. <laughs> The British responded by singing carols of their own, and the two sides continued by shouting Christmas greetings to each other. Soon thereafter, there were excursions across no no man's land where small gifts were exchanged, such as food, tobacco, alcohol, and souvenirs, such as buttons and hats. Like I get that because then you could take home, like, this is is a real British soldier button or whatever. He gave me that this, you know. That I may have killed later. The heavy artillery. I'm just bringing us down oh, no. in this story at every possible point. I'm sorry. <laughs> the heavy artillery guns in the region fell silent, and joint services were held. And in many set- sectors, the truce lasted through Christmas night, continuing until New Year's Day. In other regions, in the Comines sector of the front, there was an early fraternization between German and French soldiers in December 1914 during a short truce. And there are at least two other testimonials from French soldiers of similar behaviors happening. In sectors where German and French companies opposed each other. So, yeah, this was just kind of early. It's early on. Yeah. It's kind of happening everywhere. Obviously, towards the end, a bitterness came along with the war, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, understandably, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not like war is a nice business. No. It's It's big business. Oh, shit. So on the Ysir front, where German and Belgian troops faced each other in December 1914, a truce was arranged at the request of Belgian soldiers who wished to send letters back to their families over the German-occupied occupied parts of Belgium, which the German companies allowed them to do. Mm-hmm. So just little little things like that. It's, so like you said, very informal. Mm-hmm. Very just like, hey, I'll tell you what, it's Christmas. I know you occupy this territory. How about? Can you just get this letter to... Yeah... Yeah, you know, to to make to so my family knows I'm okay. I mean, like you know, regardless of who people were fighting, what side people were fighting on, like they were all in a similar circumstance of being the foot soldiers. <laughs> they were all in a similar circumstance of just everybody's fucked. Like and that, just, I'm sure that played a part of it too. Yeah, yeah. And there's kind of like the I think I might have mentioned this, but the Peter Jackson World War One documentary mm-hmm. on which which is now HBO Max. Whatever. Yeah, what is it? Why was it it's HBO, HBO now, <laughs> HBO Max? I thought it was a merger between HBO and Cinemax. <laughs> it kind of sounds but like it. But apparently that's not the deal. But there is a, a documentary on there called uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. They Shall Not Grow Old. Grow Old. Which is excellent. Mm. So the legacy of the Christmas truces. Mm-hmm. Uh, many books, plays, movies, and television series were inspired by the Christmas truce. Oh. And it remains widely interpreted as a series of moments where humanity 
overcame the orders of enemy combatants. Mm-hmm. And that is the very short and sweet brief history of the Christmas truce. Truces. It's really nice when um, average people realize they don't have to listen to the messages of hate being spewed. Or just take orders anymore. Yeah. Like, like you know, yeah, there's, a, can... there's a humanity here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I have no, no, ver- <laughs> no, no relevance on anything. Just, just an out of blue little story. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good one. Yes. So you, you it, had heard of it a little bit, or did any of it ring a bell, or not? I, really? I minorly, um, but honestly, I was kind of pinning it down to World War Two in my head for some reason. But I guess I had not. I feel like stuff like this has probably happened in just about every war. Oh, I'm sure. On a micro level, Mm -hmm. like in various points. Um, I mean, mean, it did. Things like this kind of happened in World War II as well. I've seen mm -hmm. not on like they're singing carols to each other, but right, yeah, that's this is pretty. As far as they'd have a battle for like three or four hours, Mm -hmm. and then everybody'd kind of be like, "Time out! Like, can we?" Go collect our dead, and and that happened, I I guess, somewhat often, Mm -hmm. um, and in the D Day Plus uh, period. It kind of reminds. I mean, like, I feel like that's not entirely uncommon that people who kind of are normally enemies just sort of take a quick break, quick breather. I think the the thing is, it it takes a lot of energy to be that angry, (laughs) and it takes a lot of energy to fight, and it takes a lot of energy to. Um, yeah, to hold things against people that maybe these little respites are the things that show that. What's this mark for? I don't know. I, I was first thinking of holding this until Christmas time, but I Aww, was just like. it is kind of cute. Because, I mean, it's the Christmas. That's how it's known. Yeah. But, uh, I was just thinking, I don't know. For what's going on now, you know, for the most part, 90% of us are with each other and it's just like in any it's just the 10 percent. we've got 10 percent assholes and you know uh, yeah i i do agree with that i i do the i mean my own personal solidarity is with everybody out there protesting mm-hmm. um and i think that they are by and large and massively peaceful and yeah Again, ten, and in this case, it's probably even less. Mm-hmm. It's probably like five percent of people are being assholes, you know, smashing windows and things like that. And they're that. mostly and, little white boys yeah. trying to play anarchist. Shut the fuck yeah. up, dude. Just stop. God. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> what would their name be? Zane. Zane. Do you have to be such a fucking asshole, Zane? And his father was Billy Zane. <laughs> But Billy Zane decided so, instead. Wait, instead, make his instead name no, instead. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> instead of he went the other route. Instead of naming him like you know William Zane Jr. Uh-huh. He's like he's gonna be Zane Zane. Zane Zane. And then the next kid will be Zane 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 cubed. Zane cubed. <laughs> will be the next one. <laughs> Zane Zane. Or Zane I, William Zane. You know what uh, Zane Zane reminds me of? The, you remember those Mazda commercials? Zoom zoom. Zoom zoom. Yep. Zoom zoom. That was a, zoom. Yeah, that was a clever uh, marketing campaign. Zoom zoom. Well, we remember it this many years later, exactly. so it No, that was that was that was nice. Yes. I thought it would be uh kind of I don't know. Yeah, it a, was, a sweet episode. Yeah. Yeah. Short and sweet and <sighs> I mean, what else do you say? <laughs> what else do you do? You get up in the morning and you put one foot in front of the other 
until it's late enough to drink. And then you stub your toe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have nothing more to say other than what will just devolve into giggles uh, and silly things. uh, If you will, please play us out. Oh, that's right. It's my turn. (laughs) I'm also... uh, that's what caused uh, William O'Reilly to, Riley to go off because he didn't know what play us out. Oh, <laughs> we'll do it live. Uh, he's like, he's like, play, like, play, play us, us out. out. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> play us William out. O'Reilly. It's like, dude, uh, that's a term from like the 1930s in broadcasting. <laughs> like, how the fuck do you not know what that means? Especially because you were you were like 25 <laughs> in the 1930s. No, he was he was like, uh, uh, yeah. I'm just funny. joking. He's old. I was gonna say he was 55 in the 1930s. Where is he? Whatever happened to William O'Reilly? Uh, he, he does a podcast, that's all I know. He got fired from Fox News, like, two years ago. Oh, Remember over, uh... What do you have to do to get fired from Fox News? Uh, he had all those sexual... Sexual... Sexual, sexual harassment crimes. Aha! Remember he, uh... Oh, that's right. He tried to get the one, uh, woman up to his hotel room, and then she wouldn't, and he said that she had, like, a, a lousy purse or something like that. <laughs> I was, I'm dead serious. Like, there's audio of that. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, (laughs) it's like it's like it's like. But but I was thinking, I'm like, I'm like, man, that's kind of a low blow, like for a guy to criticize a woman's purse. That's kind of insult her. Yeah, choice in handbag. Because he because he thought because he thought in his mind he's like, oh, I'm I'm digging deep on this one, and she's probably just like, what are you what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it live. (laughs) I'll write it. So that was the story of the Christmas truce. And this has been another, I say another, it's only our third. But our, thir- another, our third inaugural. <laughs> yes. Episode of All Good Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you at some point with another season. We'll see you on Monday. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs>